0: Spirit. This week I'm entitling it the awareness of the Holy Spirit, but really we're going to look at the promise that Jesus made. We're going to see in a moment that here in the upper room, Jesus made a promise to his disciples. It was the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at the promise of the Holy Spirit this week, and then in the weeks to come we're going to look at the uh, person of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to look at the purpose of the Holy Spirit But it's my prayer that this is not just some theological discussion. That people don't just come and just basically learn about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want this and I truly desire that each Christian really knows and understands who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. As we mentioned, here in John 14, Jesus is in the upper room. This is the same place where Jesus has communion, has the Lord's Supper, the Passover. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He tells earlier, before this passage, he tells Judas, you're going to betray me. And Judas then leaves. He reminds, of course, during this time that Peter is going to deny him. And he reminds him of that. And in this upper room, we don't under, really think about this, but Jesus makes a promise to his disciples. He says, There's going to be the coming of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, there's going to be the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at this in a moment. But when Jesus, before he tells him, he says, I'm going to be leaving, I'm going. And he tells him, I'm going to be crucified. And he lays his heart out to them. And the Bible says at the beginning of this chapter, we're not going to necessarily read it, but he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then later he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's a very familiar passage. But he says to them, I'm making you a promise. I'm not going to to leave you alone. And so we're going to look at this promise of the Holy Spirit. But let me just mention this quickly this morning. And and that is this: that the the topic or the series or the the series on the Holy Spirit, I I will say it's probably one of the, the subjects. It's one of the... The areas, and I haven't used the word subject or area, because for a lot of people, for a lot of Christians, the Holy Spirit is kind of spooky. It's kind of mystical. Um, for a lot of Christians, honestly, most Christians, we don't really spend much time on it. Sad to say, a lot of churches are afraid to teach on it, to preach on it. I'm not saying, you know, here, I'm just saying in general, the Holy Spirit is often one of the most neglected neglected and necessary necessities in the Christian life. I, I'm just going to pour out my heart for a moment before I even start the series. And that is this. I can tell you that, that this, this series that we're about to go into is for you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is probably the most important and important messages you're ever going to hear. Do you understand that because we cannot do it. We cannot do life without the Spirit of God. It cannot be done. Let me just say it like this: We can't do it right. We can't do it. And Jesus knew that, and He makes a promise to them. He says, "I promise you, you're going to have the Holy Spirit." And if all we get today is just this awareness, just this awareness that, that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit has come and that the Spirit wants to move and work in our lives. I know that I'm supposed to teach and preach this series for one reason and one reason only, because I, the last few days, have been under and you may not understand this, but I've been under like almost like an oppression. I can feel the enemy fighting, like a weight. Like hard to breathe. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just saying because I know how important this is. And I know how important this is for each and every one of us. And I also know that the enemy does not want you and I to be living in the power of the Spirit. To be walking in the Spirit. And to really know who the Holy Spirit is in our life. And the enemy hates that. He hates it so much. And so he wants to discourage us and discourage me. And I have felt this weight, like this weight and this oppression and inadequacies and trouble sleeping. I'll just be honest. And, and, and battling with it. And you know what it is? Some of you may not understand this, but as we go through the series, you'll understand. It's called spiritual warfare. There's good and evil. And it's called spiritual warfare. And it's spiritual warfare. And I, I have to say, though, when I came in this morning... And we were going to meet and pray. When, when that office was completely filled, Anthony preached a sermon last week on prayer, and all of a sudden people showed up, and that office was filled with people. We're now moving out of the office. OK? We're going to meet downstairs for prayer. But I just felt the power of prayer. And then Brother Richard's like, "Let me pray with you, pastor, before you go in and preach. But can I just say this is, the enemy does not want you to get this message. Because the message you're going to receive is is the word of God. It's not my message. It's the word of God. But understand this is that that Jesus promised an amazing thing. That we would have this promise of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that. And I'll do my best this morning just kind of an introduction. Just just to, to raise awareness of the Holy Spirit in our lives and who he is. And we'll begin to unpack this. But notice in John 14, verse 15 through 21, Jesus in the upper room, and this is what he says. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to come help you and to be with you forever. He calls him the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. And notice this, here's the promise, and will be in you. I will not leave you. I love this passage. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I've had the opportunity to go on missions trips and to see true orphans. Orphans who literally have no parents, no loved ones, just abandoned and to see them out in the streets begging and to see them out living in poverty. To watch them and to see them in cardboard boxes and it's, it's heart-wrenching and it's heartbreaking. And to see them literally in a hopeless state and in essence, helpless. How sad it is. But can I just say to you this morning, just for a moment, that many Christians don't even realize but they are living as orphans here in, this, in their spiritual lives. They're living like orphans. And Jesus said this. He said, I make you a promise. He said, when I leave you, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Listen to these words. Because I live, you also will live on that day. You'll realize, listen to me, he says, on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That day. What is that day? We'll talk more about it in the future, but I truly believe what Jesus was speaking of is when they were going when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. How many of you have heard of the day of Pentecost? It's Penta, 50, 50 days after. The Passover, 50 days after Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice, exactly 50 days later, on the day of Passover, as they were in the upper room praying, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them. The promise that Jesus made here in this passage was fulfilled, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so he says, on that day, he says, you're going to know. You're going to know. And then he says in verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who who loves me will be loved by my father and I will too will love them and show myself to them. And let's skip down just a little bit farther in the chapter. And notice what he says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. He says there's going to be a time when the Spirit is going to come upon you. And this promise will come, this Advocate will come, and He will be there for you. He will guide you, He will lead you, He will teach you. But let me remind you of something. The Holy Spirit, although Jesus makes this promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, let me remind you of something. The Holy Spirit has always existed. How many of you understand the Trinity, right? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Now this is, will be for next week and the week after. But let me just say this. Some will say... Well, that's really hard for me to comprehend. I just can't comprehend that. Paul says it like this. He says, Great is the mystery of godliness. Or what he says is this. The Apostle Paul said that God is a mystery. Can I emphasize something? We, you know, we can try to sit here and explain it all. How there's God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all three are one. But the fact of the matter is, God is a mystery. And that's what makes God so awesome. That you can't explain Him. You, you can't, we cannot fully comprehend and understand. The Bible says in Isaiah that His ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. You know, we, we have this idea that if we can't explain God, well, then then somehow He doesn't exist. No, that's what makes God, God. We can't fully... Well, listen to me. We will spend all eternity trying to figure out God. Amen? Because that's who God is. That's what makes him God. He, he is so much greater, so much higher, so, so awesome. And Paul said, you know what? He says, it's a mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. Guys, can I just say this? How many of you really fully understand your wives? I've, it's been over 25 years. I can't, still can't figure out. Doesn't mean she's not my wife. Amen. So if I can't, I don't even, listen, I don't even understand the person I look at in the mirror. I can't explain that most of the time. Are you with me this morning? It's a mystery. And it's okay that it's a mystery. That's what makes it so exciting and awesome. But I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit has always been, has always existed. And the Spirit is God. But it is the Spirit of God. You have the Father, you have the Son, that was God in the flesh, and you have the Holy Spirit. They have always been and they always will be. Let me give you just a couple passages to... Emphasize this In Genesis 1, do you realize that in the very first verse, first chapter of the book of beginnings, we see the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but who was active? Look at this, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. But notice what happens, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the very next verse, it says this. and God spoke and God said and it begins to go through creation. Do you understand that the Spirit of God was active and involved in creation? That, listen, this earth was without form and void and what did the Spirit do? The Spirit of God hovered over the the, the, the waters and and when God spoke, the breath of God brought life. It brought creation to existence. Somebody say amen there. It brought life. The Holy Spirit brings life. The Spirit was active in creation. The very first verse of the Bible says that that the Spirit of God moved and the Spirit of God hovered and the Spirit of God worked. Look at just a little bit farther in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Notice this. Then God said, Let us... Who's the us? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us... Make mankind in our, plural, in our image. Do you see that? In our likeness. We are made in the likeness of Almighty God. That is why we are a body, a soul, and a spirit. We are made a triune being. And there's God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, let us There's the Holy Spirit involved. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move on the ground. I don't have this verse, but many of you would be familiar. In Genesis chapter 2, it says this, that, that God took The clay and he took the dust and he formed man and it says this, that he breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. I truly believe that that breath that God breathed was the spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit that brings life. Are you with me this morning? The Bible tells us. That he breathed into man the breath of life. He became a living soul. Richard this morning read in John 20, verse 21, as he's speaking to the disciples and said, Go out and be witnesses. Interesting. It says this that Jesus breathed on them the Holy Ghost. And then I, I, I as we were reading it this morning, it hit me. He breathed, Jesus breathed on them, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. Do you know what the Bible says? That the word of God is inspired. It literally means, it says, the scripture says that the, the Bible is God breathed. That God breathed it into existence. The breath of God. What is that? That's the spirit of God. In John chapter 3, the Bible says that Nicodemus, as he was confronting Jesus, Jesus said, you must be born again. There must be a time you've been spiritually born again, born of the Spirit. He says the wind blows wherever it will." And he says, wherever it pleases, and it moves, and it works. And he says, you don't know when it's coming and where it's going. And Jesus uses that analogy of wind. You know, a lot of people say, well, well, I don't understand the Holy Spirit. And I don't don't get that. How does that work? Well, the idea is this. You can't see the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you something? I can't see wind. I can't see wind, but I can tell you this. I can see evidence of wind. And Cedar City, there's a lot of that. Let me tell you, that the, the wind blows a lot here. <laughs> and there's a lot of evidence of, of the wind. You can't, this, you can't necessarily see it, but you can feel it, right? And you can see the effects of it. And Jesus says, you can see the effects of the Spirit of God. And understand this. Think about this. Follow me this morning. Don't miss this. That in creation, the Spirit of God was active and involved and brought life. In the creation of man, the Spirit of God brought life. He breathed into man the breath of life. The Bible says that the Word of God was quickened and made alive by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says in John 3 that no man can come to the Father except they are born again. That there must be a spiritual birth. And the Bible tells us, Paul says in Ephesians 2, that it's the Spirit that quickens us, that makes us alive. And to understand that the only way we can come to the Father and have a relationship with the Father is if there is a spiritual birth through a supernatural work of the Spirit of God that moves in us. And so he makes this promise of this Holy Spirit. The promise, the word here, advocate. It's an interesting word. He says, I promise I will not leave you as orphans. You will, not, you will not be left to have to do this on your own. He says, I promise you of the Holy Spirit. Now, did the disciples ever hear of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Did they know of the Holy Spirit? Understand this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not indwell God's people. Did not. The Holy Spirit would come upon people and leave. Here's a little Bible trivia. Do you know who the Holy Spirit, as far as I know from my study, where the Bible said the Holy Spirit came upon someone It would come upon them and leave and come upon them and leave and come upon them. Do you know who, in the Old Testament times, as far as I could see, the one that the Holy Spirit came upon the most? Of all the people in my study was Samson. Not the one that you thought, right? (laughs) Samson? Go ahead and do some research and check it out. How many times the Spirit of God came upon Samson and would come upon him and would come upon him? Now understand this. Jesus Christ was the first fruits. How many of you ever heard that? We always understand he's the first fruits of all who believe. He's the first fruits of, of, of eternal life and in, in all of those things. But can I just emphasize something? Jesus also was the first fruits of what it looks like to be living Completely in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus was led of the Spirit. The Bible tells in Hebrews that he was anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was the first one to ever live life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Fully. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come and go. And would move upon people. But understand this. But when Jesus makes his promise, what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is now going to indwell people, followers do you remember understand what did they where did they go to worship, what was so important to them, what, what had what had the ark of the covenant and what they called the Shekinah glory in the presence of God and there was a veil, what was that, where was that at, that was in the what temple, at one time it was a tabernacle which meant tent temporary, then it moved to the temple, correct, and that's where they had to go to be in the presence of God. And that's where they, they, they felt the presence of God was. And there was some truth to that. But what happened when Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross? While Jesus was hanging on the cross, what happened? The veil was rent. It was torn from top to bottom. God tore the veil and he gave direct access. And the Bible tells us it's a beautiful thing. And in Peter, it says that you now are your own priests. You are priests. You don't have to go to a priest. You are your own priest. We call it the priesthood of believers. What does that mean? It means this, that Jesus Christ is our high priest. And we have direct access to God. And that is why this Holy Spirit is so important and so valuable to you and I. Because Jesus said, I've promised that you have an advocate in the Greek, it's an interesting word. It's like para, parakletos or paraclete. It means literally, how many of you ever heard of a paralegal? Hopefully you don't need one. Amen. <laughs> a paralegal. It's the same idea. The idea is legal aid. Legal aid. A paraclete literally means you have this one called to aid, one called to help, one called to come alongside of. In some versions, it'll use the word advocate. In some, it'll use the word helper. In some, it'll use the word counselor. More of the idea of of basically a defense attorney, one who fights for you. In some versions, he's referred to, or in some words, we'll see the word comforter, that the comforter will come. What Jesus was saying is this, is that it's all-inclusive. The Greek language is a very powerful language, and we don't really have enough English words to really express what Jesus was saying. But what He's saying is, is you have that one who's going to come alongside of you and help you and aid you and encourage you and strengthen you, comfort you if you need comfort, fight for you when you need someone to fight for you, amen? Defend you when you need defend. And he says, by the way, he says that it's not only going to come to you, he is going to indwell you. And he will never leave you he says the Holy Spirit will be with you and the Holy Spirit will be in you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. We'll put it here for you. He says this. Paul says this. Do you not know... That your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. By the way, you are looking at a temple this morning. (laughs) It's a beautiful temple, amen? It's a little smaller one than the others. A little shorter. A little shorter temple. But he says, do you not know, Paul's reminding the church, he's reminding you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Notice this, who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you are not your own, and you were bought. At a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. That's why we honor God with our bodies. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, understand this that if you have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, if you accepted Him and you believed upon Him, He says, I will not leave you as orphans. He says, I adopt you into my family. You are a child of God. And with that, it's an interesting term. This is for future teaching. But with that, there's so much here. But He says that the Spirit of God is the earnest of our inheritance of eternal life. Meaning this, it's kind of like the down payment. It's the proof. How many of you, if you have ever bought a house or you bought something, they say, well, you need some earnest money. You know what I'm talking about? You need some earnest, some proof. Some proof that you're going to pay up. Can I tell you something? That when you, have, when you accept Jesus Christ, he gives you this beautiful thing. He says, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within in you. And that is proof. It is proof that you have eternal life, that you are a child of God. Amen. When you are adopted into God's family, the Bible, I mean, I love this. He says that we have the authority, we have the power, we have the ability to cry out, Abba, Father. To cry out, Daddy. When you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you are adopted into God's family. You are not an orphan. You are a child of the living God. He says, to those, Jesus said this, to those who believe upon him, to them, he will give the power. It literally means this, the authority, the legal right to be called a child of God. I have four, four kids. Two born to, to us, if you will, born into our family. We have two adopted. They're all my children, whether they like it or not, amen? (laughs) There's a whole lot to this, but can I just tell you something? That really in the court of law, when you adopt a child... And it's an interesting thing, but when you adopt a child, I don't have the right or the authority to basically cut them out of my will, but I can my own if I wanted to. It's interesting, but the point is this, (laughs) there's protection there for that adopted child. Understand this that when you're adopted into God's family, when you, once you're adopted into God's family, you're in God's family. Amen. And you're always a child of God. And when we went and we stood before the judge each time, and the judge signed and sealed, and those kids, precious kids, became a Klein, it was a done deal. and they're a When you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, understand this, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, seals you until the day of redemption. And He is the proof and the evidence that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And He comes and He dwells within you. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 with me. I love what Paul says here. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7, he says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. Notice this to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Do you see the, the, the picture that Paul gives? He says, We have this treasure. This, this, this light it's the spirit of God we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all surpassing power is from God and not from us, that we have within us. When you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within you. And you have within these jars of clay, within these vessels of clay, you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. He says, you have a treasure in jars of clay. It's an awesome thing that the Spirit of God will dwell within us. The Bible tells us this, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it was the spiritual power, the spirit power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Who raised Jesus Christ from the dead? It was the power of the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And the Scripture tells us the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells within each and every one of us as we follow Jesus Christ that you have that same power. We have access to that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that dwells within each and every one of us. How awesome is that? Here's the problem. That many of us, and most of the time, we are not living in that. trying to do it on our own. And by the way, guilty, (laughs) right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? We have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that breathed creation, the same Spirit that breathed life And gave us life. It's the same spirit that gives us salvation and eternal life. Amen? It's not a work of man, it's a work of God that only God can do. But that power lives in us and dwells in us, and we have it with us, and it's everywhere we go. And how, I mean, I I can't describe to you, is you're never alone. And here's the problem is we're not living in that awareness. Many of the times we're just going through life and, tr- and even the Christian life. We're trying to live the Christian life and we're trying to do it on our own. We're, we're kind of like, we're living like orphans, but we're not orphans. You make sense? We have the spirit dwelling in us that will help us, that will encourage us if you've experienced loss, the Spirit's your comforter. If you're feeling stressed, the Holy Spirit can bring peace. Amen. He's your helper. He's your aid. If you need wisdom, He's your guide. If you feel weak, He's your strength. You see, understand this. Jesus Christ was the first fruits. Jesus Christ was able to live, if you will, the Christian life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he demonstrated it can be done. But we have to do it in the Holy Spirit. It is so sad because so many Christians are not living in the awareness of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised us, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with you and he will guide you, he will lead you, and he will strengthen you, he will encourage you. And that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That in these jars of clay we have the treasure of the Holy Spirit. You know what my prayer is just for just this week? And that is this. is this, that there's an awareness of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus Christ promised the Holy Spirit would come. And by the way, the Holy Spirit did come on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. We're going to be studying on what that looks like and how that works and how he, he works and moves and who he is and all of those things. But really all I want for this, for this week is just for all of us when we walk out to say, you know what? There, there is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive and the Holy Spirit brings life and the Holy Spirit is active. He's active and he wants to be active in my life. Amen? And he wants to be active in your life. And so I want us... Here in a moment, as we pray, I want us to have an awareness that the Spirit of God is alive and well and is moving and working, and He desires to move and work in your life. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Would you stand with me? Now, as I pray, we're going to pray. Let me say this and ask you this question. You ready? Do you have the Holy Spirit? And that's a very important question. I'm having trouble with that. Do you have the Holy Spirit? And if that's something that is a question, let me just say it like this. If you have the Holy Spirit, you'll know you have the Holy Spirit. He will make himself known. When he moves in, you will know. He will leave no doubt. And so if you're here and you'd say, well, Pastor Joe, I am not sure about that. That's something I question. Before you leave, speak with me. Talk with Pastor Richard. Talk with someone. If there's someone who invited you or someone that you're close to that you know is a true follower of Jesus Christ and say, I need to get this taken care of. Can I tell you this? What did Jesus say? He says, the world does not have the Holy Spirit and doesn't understand. Does this make sense? So we must not. The Holy Spirit is a treasure. It is a gift from God. And we must not take the Holy Spirit for granted. And brothers and sisters in Christ, Christian, many times we take the Holy Spirit for granted. It is a tremendous treasure. It is a gift from God. And so if you say, I'm not sure. I question. I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. Then do not leave this place without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? And let me tell you, you are among friends and family, and there's nothing more than we want is for you to know that you are a child of God, that you're adopted in His family. That is the most important decision you'll ever make, because that is an eternal decision. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray.